Section 10, Volume 2 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 10. When it was the forty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the caliph was angered against Kuta Kulub, he ordered her to a dark chamber where she abode eighty days, at the end of which the caliph, happening to pass on a certain day the place where she was, heard her repeating poetry, and after she ceased reciting her verse, saying, O oh, my darling, O oh, my Ghanim, how great is thy goodness, and how chaste is thy nature! Thou didst well by one who did ill by thee, and thou guardest his honour who guard thine. And his harem thou didst protect, who to enslave thee and shine did elect. But thou shalt surely stand, thou and the commander of the faithful, before the just judge, and thou shalt be justified of him on the day when the Lord, to whom be honour and glory, shall be Kazi, and the angels of heaven shall be witnesses." When the caliph heard her complaint, he knew that she had been wronged, and, returning to the palace, sent Masrur the eunuch for her. She came before him with bowed head, and eyes tearful and heart sorrowful, and he said to her, O oh, Kuta Kulub, I find thou accusest me of tyranny and oppression, and thou avouches that I have done ill by one who did well by me. Who is this who hath guarded my honour, while I guard his to become dishonour? Who protected my harim, and whose harim I wrecked? He is Ghanim, son of Ayyub, replied she, for he never approached me in wantonness or with lewd intent. I swear by thy munificence, O commander of the faithful. Then said the caliph, There is no majesty, and there is no might save in Allah. Ask what thou wilt of me, O Kutra Kulub. O prince of the faithful, answered she, I require of thee only my beloved Ghanim, son of Ayyub. He did as she desired, whereupon she said, O Lord of the Muslims, if I bring him to thy presence, wilt thou bestow me on him? And he replied, If he come into my presence, I will give thee to him as the gift of the generous who revoketh not his largesse. O Prince of true believers, quoth she, suffer me to go and seek him. Haply Allah may unite me with him. And quoth he, Do even as thou wilt. So she rejoiced, and, taking with her a thousand dinars in gold, went out and visited the elders of the various faiths, and gave alms in Ghanim's name. Next day she walked to the merchant's bazaar, and disclosed her object to the syndic, and gave him money, saying, Bestow this in charity to the stranger. On the following Friday she fared to the bazaar, with other thousand dinars, and, entering the goldsmith's and jeweller's market street, called the chief, and presented to him a thousand dinners, with these words, Bestow this in charity to the stranger. The chief looked at her, and he was the syndic who had taken in Ghanim, and said, O oh, my lady, wilt thou come to my house and look upon a youth, a stranger I have there, and see how goodly and graceful he is? Now the stranger was Ghanim son of Ayyub, but the chief had no knowledge of him, and thought him to be some wandering pauper, some debtor whose wealth had been taken from him, or some lover parted from his beloved. 
When she heard his words, her heart fluttered, and her vitals yearned, and she said to him, "'Send with me one who shall guide me to thy house.' So he sent the little lad who brought her to the house, wherein was the headman's stranger guest, and she thanked him for this. When she reached the house, she went in and saluted the syndic's wife, who rose and kissed the ground between her hands, for she knew her. Then quoth Kut al "'Where is the sick man who is with thee?' She wept and replied, "'Here is he, O my lady. By Allah, he is come of good folk, and he beareth the signs of gentle breeding. You see him lying on yonder bed.' So she turned and looked at him, and she saw something like him, but he was worn and wasted till he had become lean as a toothpick, so his identity was doubtful to her, and she could not be certain that it was he.' Yet pity for him possessed her, and she wept, saying, Verily, the stranger is unhappy, even though he be a prince in his own land. And his case was grievous to her, and her heart ached for him, yet she knew him not to be Ghanim. Then she furnished him with wine and medicines, and she sat a while by his head, after which she mounted and returned to her palace, and continued to visit every bazaar in quest of her lover. Meanwhile, Ghanim's mother and sister, Fitna, arrived at Baghdad, and met the syndic who carried them to Kut al and said to her, O princes of beneficent ladies, there came to our city this day a woman and her daughter, who are fair of favour, and signs of good breeding and dignity are apparent in them, though they be dressed in hair-cloth, and have each one a wallet hanging to her neck, and their eyes are tearful, and their hearts are sorrowful. So I have brought them to thee, that thou mayst give them refuge, and rescue them from beggary for they are not of asker folk, and, if it please Allah, we shall enter paradise through them. By Allah, O my master, cried she, thou makest me long to see them. Where are they? Adding, here with them to me. So he bade the eunuch bring them in, and, when she looked on them, and saw that they were both of distinguished beauty, she wept for them, and said, By Allah, these are people of condition, and show plain signs of former opulence. Oh, my lady, said the syndic's wife, we love the poor and the destitute, more especially as reward in heaven will recompense our love, and as for these persons, haply the oppressor hath dealt hardly with them, and hath plundered their property and harried their houses. Then Ghanim's mother and sister wept with sore weeping, remembering their former prosperity, and contrasting it with their present poverty and miserable condition, and their thoughts dwelt upon son and brother, whilst Kut al wept for their weeping, and they said, We beseech Allah to reunite us with him whom we desire, and he is none other but my son named Ghanim bin Ayyud. When Kut al heard this, she knew them to be the mother and sister of her lover, and wept till a swoon came over her. When she revived, she returned to them, and said, Have no fear and sorrow not, for this day is the first of your prosperity, and the last of your adversity." and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the forty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Kut al had consoled them, she bade the syndic lead them to his house, and let his wife carry them to the hammam, and dress them in handsome clothes, and take care of them, and honour them with all honour, and she gave him a sufficient sum of money. Next day she mounted, and, riding to his house, went in to his wife, who rose up, and kissed her hands, and thanked her for her kindness. 
There she saw Ghanim's mother and sister, whom the snig's wife had taken to the hammam and clothed afresh, so that the traces of their former condition became manifest upon them. She sat talking with them a while, after which she asked the wife about the sick youth who was in her house, and she replied, "'He is in the same state.' Then said Kut al-Kulub, "'Come, let us go and visit him.' So she arose, she and the chief's wife and Ghanim's mother and sister, and went into the room where he lay and sat down near him. Presently Ghanim bin Ayyub, the distraught, the thrall of love, heard them mention the name of Kut al-Kulub, whereupon life returned to him, emaciated and withered as he was, and he raised his head from the pillow, and cried aloud, "'Oh, Kut al She looked at him, and made certain it was he, and shrieked rather than said, "'Yes, oh, my beloved!' "'Draw near to me,' said he, and she replied, "'Surely thou art Ghanim bin Ayyub,' and he rejoined, "'I am indeed.' Hereupon a swoon came upon her, and, as soon as Ghanim's mother and his sister Fitna heard these words, both cried out, "'Oh, our joy!' and fainted clean away. When they all recovered, Kut al exclaimed, "'Praise be to Allah, who hath brought us together again, and who hath reunited thee with thy mother and thy sister.' And she related to him all that had befallen her with the caliph, and said, "'I have made known the truth to the commander of the faithful, who believed my words, and was pleased with thee.' and now he desireth to see thee, adding, He hath given me to thee. Thereat he rejoiced with extreme joy, when she said, Quit not this place till I come back, and, rising forthwith, betook herself to the palace. There she opened the chest which she had brought from Ganim's house, and, taking out some of the dinars, gave them to the syndic, saying, Buy with this money for each of them four complete suits of the finest stuff and twenty kerchiefs and else beside of whatsoever they require. After which she carried all three to the baths, and had them washed and bathed, and made ready for them consommes, and gallangale water, and cider, against their coming out. When they left the hammam, they put on the new clothes, and she abode with them three days, feeding them with chicken meats and bullies, and making them drink sherbet of sugar candy. After three days their spirits returned, and she carried them again to the baths, and when they came out and had changed their raiment, she led them back to the syndic's house and left them there, whilst she returned to the palace and craved permission to see the caliph. When he ordered her to come in, she entered, and, kissing the ground between his hands, told him the whole story, and how her lord, Ghanim bin Ayyub, the distraught, the thrall alove, and his mother and sister were now in Baghdad. When the caliph heard this, he turned to the eunuchs and said, "'Here with Ghanim to me!' So Jaffar went to fetch him, but Kutakulub forewent him and told Ghanim, The caliph had sent to fetch thee before him, and charged him to show readiness of tongue and firmness of heart and sweetness of speech. Then she robed him in a sumptuous dress and gave him dinars in plenty, saying, Be lavish of largesse to the caliph's household as thou goest in to him. Presently Jaffar, mounted on his Nubian mule, came to fetch him, and Ghanim advanced to welcome the wazir, and, wishing him long life, kissed the ground before him. Now the star of his good fortune had risen and shone brightly, and Jafar took him, and they ceased not faring together, he and the minister, till they went in to the commander of the faithful. When he stood in the presence, he looked at the wazirs and emirs and chamberlains and viceroys and grandees and captains, and then at the caliph. Hereupon he sweetened his speech and his eloquence, and, bowing his head to the ground, 
broke out in these extempore couplets. May that monarch's life span a mighty span, whose lavish of largesse all imperian, leashes scan, none other but he shall be Kaiser Heis, lord of lordly hall and of hot divan. Kings lay their gems on his threshold dust, as they bow and salam to the mighty man, and his glances for them and all recoil, bowing beards to ground and with faces wan, yet they gain the profit of royal grace, the rank and station of high earth's plain is scant for thy world of man, camped there in Kwan's empyrean. May the king of kings ever hold thee dear, be counsel shine and right steadfast plan, till thy justice spread o'er the widespread earth, and the near and the far be of equal worth. When he ended his improvisation, the caliph was pleased by it, and marvelled at the eloquence of his tongue, and the sweetness of his speech. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 10